Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pediatrics Morning Report, Beyond the Pearls. My name is Dr. Christopher Liebon, and I'll be going over Case 21 with you guys. An 8-year-old child with snoring and behavioral difficulty in school. For our case, we have an 8-year-old child presenting for outpatient evaluation of loud snoring and pauses in his breathing during sleep that have been observed by his parents. He has snored lightly for at least 5 years, but over the past year and a half, his snoring has become significantly louder, and he has had occasional pauses in his breathing while asleep that have worried his parents. Should snoring be considered abnormal? What are causes of snoring in a child this age? How concerned should parents be with these symptoms? Snoring is a sign of partial airway obstruction and falls under the category of sleep-disordered breathing. This will be referred to as SDB. Snoring can occur on its own, but can also be associated with hypopnea, a decrease in airflow, or apnea, a cessation in breathing. Both can result in oxygen desaturations and or arousal from sleep. The two main categories of sleep apnea are central sleep apnea, known as CSA, and obstructive sleep apnea, known as OSA. Central sleep apnea and hypopnea are caused by aberrations in central nervous system's respiratory control mechanisms, whereas obstructive sleep apnea and hypopnea are due to mechanical obstructions of the airway. Habitual snoring occurs in almost all cases of pediatric OSA. Most cases of sleep disordered breathing are due to OSA. During sleep, the body becomes atonic, with the greatest degree of atonicity occurring in the rapid eye movement sleep stage. Relaxation of the pharyngeal musculature results in partial or complete collapse of the upper airway during inspiration due to the negative pressure in the airway. CSA results from pathology in the central nervous system respiratory drive centers. It is generally caused by the congenital abnormalities, neurologic injury, or cardiopulmonary pathology affecting oxygen and carbon dioxide chemoreceptors in the CNS. Epidemiologic studies have estimated that approximately 4-11% of children have pathologic breathing during sleep. What are some risk factors for sleep disorder breathing? For obstructive sleep apnea, it is helpful to visualize the skeleton of the upper airway as a box into which the soft tissues of the upper airway, including the nasal airway, soft palate, tongue, epiglottis, and pharynx must fit. Any condition that makes the box smaller increases the volume of soft tissues within the box or increases the risk of tissue collapse, such as lack of muscle tone, will restrict the available airway space and increase the risk of obstruction. In children, adenotonsillar hypertrophy is a common condition and the most common cause of SBD. A wide variety of craniofacial malformations also increase the risk of SBD because of pathologic development of the upper airway skeleton. Examples include Treacher-Collins syndrome, Pierre-Robin sequence, and isolated cleft palate. Neuromuscular disorders such as Duchenne muscular dystrophy 
or mucopolysaccharidoses result in decreased airway muscle tone and increased risk of OSA. Obesity leads to increased fat deposition in the tissues surrounding the upper airway and can create or exacerbate pre-existing OSA. It has other more complex effects on the pulmonary system and respiratory control. The prevalence of OSA due to obesity is expected to increase due to the current obesity epidemic. CNS pathology due to developmental abnormalities, tumor growth, or injury can lead to aberrations in respiratory control. This can manifest as CSA caused by abnormal respiratory drive or as OSA caused by poor coordination or tone in the upper airway musculature. Down syndrome is an example of a disease process with both central and obstructive sleep pathology. Many children with Down syndrome have relative macroglossia, which is an enlarged tongue, which increases the risk of upper airway obstruction. These children also frequently suffer from muscle hypotensity, which further increases the risk of airway obstruction from the tongue falling backward during sleep. Case point 21.1. Our patient's mother lies down with him until he falls asleep in the evening because he will not go to sleep without her present. What behavior does this represent? Should the mother be concerned that he will not go to sleep without her present? This child is displaying behavior consistent with behavioral insomnia of childhood, also known as BIC, due to sleep onset association. He has accommodated himself to the presence of his mother before falling asleep and is unable to soothe himself to sleep. This problem may also manifest as periods of long wakefulness at night in which the child awakens and is unable to self-soothe back to sleep without the presence of the mother. Although not central to this case, BIC is a common condition with a prevalence of approximately 25%. It should always be considered within the differential and treatment plan when a patient complains of a child's sleeping problems. Case point 21.2. After our patient falls asleep, his mother reports that it looks like he is trying to breathe, but he is not moving any air. She has not seen him turn blue. Basic Science Clinical Pearl. Pharyngeal muscle tone is maintained during sleep by the pharyngeal dilator muscles. The primary pharyngeal dilator is the genoglossus muscle, which is innervated by the hypoglossal nerve. Why does it matter that the patient appears to be trying to breathe? This observation implies that the patient is attempting to breathe against an obstruction, which increases the clinical suspicion for OSA. However, studies have shown that caregiver observation and clinical history are not sensitive enough to differentiate adequately between primary snoring and OSA. The definitive diagnosis of the type and severity of sleep apnea requires a multi-channel diagnostic study of sleep called polysomnography. Case point 21.3 our patient sleeps from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. when his parents awaken him for school. Over the last several months, he has become much more difficult to arouse from bed, especially on school days. He seemed less tired when he was able to take scheduled naps in preschool. He now frequently comes home from school and sleeps 30 to 60 minutes in the afternoon. He has gotten in some trouble at school for not paying attention and his teachers have told his parents that he may have ADHD, also known as Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. His academic performance is mediocre. Clinical Pearl If a child has been previously diagnosed with ADHD, be aware that prescription stimulant medications may mask the symptoms of excessive daytime sleepiness. What are the normal sleep requirements for children? It is important to be aware of sufficient sleep requirements in children. The National Sleep Foundation has reported that the average adult requires 6 to 10 hours of sleep per night, with the majority needing between 7 and 9 hours per night. However, it is recommended that an 8-year-old child should get 
7 to 12 hours of sleep per night, with most children needing between 9 and 11 hours per night. This child may be getting an insufficient amount of sleep for his age. What are some signs indicating that a child may not be obtaining adequate sleep? Several large studies have suggested an association between OSA in children and behavioral problems, as well as poor academic performance. Children are occasionally misdiagnosed with ADHD when the true cause of their symptoms is poor sleep. This child's combination of insufficient sleep and poor sleep quality may be causing excessive daytime sleepiness and impairing academic performance, and it warrants further investigation. What are the causes of excessive daytime sleepiness in children? The differential diagnosis for excessive daytime sleepiness in children is broad, including but not limited to OSA or CSA, insufficient sleep, primary and secondary insomnia, circadian rhythm sleep disorders, hypothyroidism, restless leg syndrome, and periodic leg movement disorder. The search for a cause of sleepiness in a child should not end once SBD has been ruled out. Case point 21.4. Our patient mother notes that he has a healthy appetite. He frequently has juice and snacks while watching television in the afternoon before dinner. He has gained a significant amount of weight over the last two years. How do dietary habits affect sleep? Obesity is frequently associated with poor dietary habits in children. Failure to develop good dietary habits at a young age may increase the risk of obesity and comorbid diseases, including OSA from childhood into adulthood. There is a large body of evidence supporting the health benefits of regular exercise. However, parents should be counseled that exercise alone is unlikely to counteract poor dietary choices completely. Healthy eating requires portion control in addition to healthy food choices. Many parents are not aware of the caloric density of fruit juices and soft drinks. Consider eliminating juice, soft drinks, and calorie-dense snacks from the diet of overweight children and transitioning to less calorie-dense foods such as lean meats and higher-fiber vegetables as a first step towards healthier eating choices. Case point 21.5 Our patient was born full-term and had no perinatal complications. He was diagnosed with mild intermittent asthma last year, which is well-controlled with an albuterol inhaler, and he is not exposed to tobacco smoke at home. He does not take any other medications, he has not had issues with persistent mouth breathing or recurrent pharyngitis, and his father snores as well. The remainder of his review systems is negative. Why is it important to assess a prenatal and perinatal history when evaluating a child with sleep problems? It is important to assess for any significant prenatal and perinatal history when evaluating young children to assess for other possible causes of breathing problems and build a comprehensive differential diagnosis. For example, a history of respiratory distress or intubation at birth would raise suspicion for a primary pulmonary cause unrelated to OSA that could contribute to breathing difficulties, such as bronchopulmonary dysplasia or tracheal stenosis. Why is it important to assess for a history of asthma and tobacco smoke exposure? Obesity, family history of OSA, poorly controlled asthma, and exposure to tobacco smoke at home have all been associated with an increased risk of OSA. African-American ancestry is an additional risk factor, but the underlying pathophysiology has not been well-defined. Why is it important to assess for a history of persistent mouth breathing or recurrent pharyngitis? All of these symptoms are suggested of possible adenotonsillar hypertrophy, the leading cause of pediatric OSA. Mouth breathing may be secondary to adenoid hypertrophy with resultant obstruction of the nasopharynx. Recurrent pharyngitis is associated with adenotonsillar hypertrophy, although these conditions frequently occur independently of one another. A history of recurrent pharyngitis is an indication for adenotonsillectomy, 
independent of sleep history. Basic Science Pearl The nasopharyngeal tonsil, adenoid, and palatine tonsils make up two-thirds of the valdire lymphatic ring, the annular configuration of lymphoid tissue in the pharynx. The remainder of valdire's ring is compromised of the lingual tonsil. These lymphoid tissues frequently swell and hypertrophy during childhood as part of the robust pediatric immunologic response to novel environmental pathogens and antigens. The pediatric upper airway is smaller than its final adult conformation and is therefore more susceptible to obstruction by lymphatic tissue hypertrophy. Rapid or asymmetric lymphoid tissue hyperplasia in an adult should raise suspicion for neoplastic, infectious, or autoimmune pathologies such as squamous cell carcinoma, lymphoma, or HIV. Case point 21.6. On our patient's physical exam, the patient's BMI is 19.5, his blood pressure is 120 over 80, pulse rate of 70, respiration rate of 20, and oxygen saturation of 97% on room air. No concerning craniofacial deformities are noted, but the patient does have a 2mm overjet. His modified malampati score is 3, his tonsils are 2 to 3 plus in size, and there are no abnormalities on cardiac auscultation with normal S1 and S2 heart sounds, and no audible murmurs or gallops. His lung fields are clear to auscultation bilaterally, and his cat refill is normal and no pallor is noted. Clinical Pearl Palatine tonsil size is most commonly graded on physical examination using the Brodsky's grading scale. Grade 1, tonsils occupy 25% or less of the oropharyngeal airway. Grade 2, tonsils occupy 26-50% of the oropharyngeal airway. Grade 3, tonsils occupy 51-75% to of the oropharyngeal airway. And lastly, grade 4, tonsils occupy 75% or more of the oropharyngeal airway. What is the modified Malampati score? The modified Malampati score is an anatomic assessment made by an examiner of an upright patient who is protruding the tongue from the mouth as far as possible. A class 1 score indicates that the soft palate, uvula, and foces, which is the opening into the oropharynx, and tonsillar pillars are all visible. A class 2 score has a greater degree of obstruction by the tongue with only the soft palate, uvula, and foces available. The soft palate and only the base of the uvula are visible in class 3 and the hard palate is the only visible structure in class 4 occlusion due to obstruction by the tongue. How do you interpret this child's physical examination? Does this change your assessment? Recognize that children are not just little adults. Although the above documented vital signs measurements are benign in an adult, a blood pressure of 120 over 80 in an 8-year-old child is concerning for borderline hypertension. He is just under the 95th percentile for weight at his age with a BMI of 19.5 making him overweight and almost obese. His moderately enlarged tonsils, relatively small mandible, and a higher modified malampati score are all considered anatomically normal, but in combination, they decrease the available size of his upper airway and increase the suspicion for OSA. What is the next best step management? It depends on who you ask. The accepted first-line therapy for children with OSA is adenotonsillectomy. However, there is no clear consensus on whether a clinical suspicion of OSA is sufficient or whether polysomnography is required in all cases prior to surgery. Clinical practice guidelines from the American Academy of Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery have recommended that polysomnography be completed prior to adenotonsillectomy in children with any of the following comorbidities. Obesity, Down syndrome, craniofacial abnormalities, neuromuscular disorders, sickle disease, or mucopolysaccharidosis.
Additionally, the clinician should advocate for polysomnography in children for whom the need for surgery is uncertain or when there is discordance between tonsillar size on physical exam and the reported severity of sleep disorder breathing. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine is more conservative and has recommended polysomnography for all patients in whom clinical assessment suggests a diagnosis of OSA. An otolaryngologist would therefore be following established clinical practice guidelines for this child by recommending surgery without prior diagnostics testing. Definitive diagnosis of OSA is never discouraged and polysomnography is frequently recommended by otolaryngologists when parents would like additional information before electing for surgery. Case 21.7. For our patient, an overnight polysomnography study is ordered. The patient has loud snoring and frequent obstructive hypopnea resulting in arousal from sleep. His apnea-hypopnea index, AHI, is 4.5 events per hour. Sleep is fragmented and the patient awakens frequently overnight. His oxygen level nadir overnight is 86%. His central apnea index is normal at 1.7 events per hour. What is monitored during polysomnography? Type 1 polysomnography is performed in a laboratory and monitored by a technician. Standard measurement modalities include encephalography, electrooculography, electrocardiography, electromyography of the chin and lower limb muscles, pulse oximetry, airflow measurements using a nasal thermistor and or pressure transducer, and monitoring of respiratory effort at the thorax and abdomen. What is the importance of AHI, the apnea-hypopnea index, and the CAI, the central apnea index? The AHI and CAI are the average number of obstructive and central events that occur per hour of sleep respectively. The AHI is commonly used measure of OSA severity that has been correlated with various health risks. In adults, mild OSA is defined as 5 to 15 events per hour, moderate OSA is 15 to 30 events per hour, and severe OSA is 30 events per hour or more. In children, mild OSA is defined as 1.5 to 5 events per hour, Moderate OSA is 5 to 10 events per hour, and severe OSA is 10 events or more per hour. Despite having an AHI in the normal range for an adult, our patient has mild OSA and is on the border for moderate OSA. Case point 21.8. Our patient's diagnosis is obstructive sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea is a sleep-related breathing disorder characterized by intermittent partial or complete airway obstruction that disrupts normal sleep patterns and ventilation. The International Classification of Sleep Disorders Coding Manual has defined polysomnography criteria sufficient for diagnosing OSA. First, one or more obstructive sleep events per hour of sleep. And second, obstructive hypoventilation with PaCO2 greater than 50 mm of mercury for more than 25% of observed sleep together with snoring, paradoxic thoracic abdominal movement, or flattening of the nasal airway pressure waveform measurement. Most sleep centers define mild OSA as an AHI greater than 1 but less than or equal to 5, moderate OSA as an AHI greater than 5 but less than or equal to 10, and severe OSA as an AHI greater than 10. How do you counsel his parents regarding his further management? The patient's polysomnography results are consistent with mild OSA. Adenotonsillectomy is the recommended first-line therapy for pediatric OSA. In patients for whom surgery is not an option, Medical therapy should be considered, such as lateral positioning during sleep, nasal steroids and monolucas to reduce upper airway inflammation, and continuous positive airway pressure. Recent evidence has suggested that a significant percentage of pediatric patients may see normalization of AHI through watchful waiting over a period of at least 7 months 
presumably by allowing the airway lumen to increase in size as the child grows. Adenotonsillectomy does, however, improve AHI more rapidly and dramatically. Watchful waiting is less likely to be successful in obese children, African American children, and children in more severe disease. Case point 21.9. Our patient underwent an uneventful adenotonsillectomy and is seen in your office two months after surgery. His parents are happy to report that his snoring and excessive daytime sleepiness have all resolved. Is repeat polysomnography required to confirm resolution of obstructive sleep apnea? Absence of clinical symptoms after adenotonsillectomy for mild OSA does not require postoperative polysomnography. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine has recommended repeat polysomnography if OSA systems persist postoperatively or if there is a history of moderate to severe OSA, obesity, craniofacial abnormalities that obstruct the upper airway or neurologic disorders. Case Summary Our complaint in history was an overweight 8-year-old child presenting with a history of loud snoring, witness apneas, daytime fatigue, and behavioral problems. Findings His BMI was 19.5, he had a 2mm overjet, modified malampati score of 3, and his tonsils are 2 to 3 plus in size on examination. For his labs and tests, he had an AHI that is 4.5 during overnight polysomnography. His diagnosis was mild obstructive sleep apnea. His treatment was adenotonsillectomy, after which his snoring and excessive sleepiness resolved. Beyond the pearls, weight loss should always be recommended for obese children with OSA. Obesity is a risk factor for residual OSA after adenotonsillectomy, and weight loss can reduce or cure pediatric OSA. Rapid onset obesity with hypothalamic dysfunction, hypoventilation, and autonomic dysregulation, known as ROHHAD syndrome, is an extremely rare disease with a heterogeneous presentation. It is not associated with PHOX2B, the gene linked to earlier presentations of congenital central hypoventilation syndrome. Rapid increases in weight, hyperphagia, and dramatically worsening SBD is pre- in preadolescent children should raise suspicion for the potentially lethal disease. Positive airway pressure therapy is highly efficacious medical therapy for OSA in children, but there's generally a long learning curve for the therapy acceptance and mass tolerance. If a child has residual OSA after adenotoxinolectomy, consider referral to a pediatric pulmonologist with experience in positive airway pressure therapy. Consider evaluation for reconstructive skeletal surgery options for children with OSA and congenital craniofacial development disorders such as cleft lip or palate, Pierre Robin sequence, mid-face hypoplasia, and hemifacial macrosomia prior to adenotonsillectomy and other soft tissue surgeries because craniofacial surgery may relieve or cure OSA. Select children with severe OSA may benefit from perioperative positive airway pressure therapy to minimize anesthesia risk. Upper airway soft tissue surgery for children with residual OSA after adenotonsillectomy can be effective in select cases and is an area of active research. Drug-induced sleep apnea endoscopy is a diagnostic technique used for assessing specific sites of collapse in the upper airway in patients with OSA. DIAC may be useful in guiding surgical decision-making for pediatric patients with residual OSA after adenotonsillectomy. Tonsil sizes between 2 plus, extending medially beyond the anterior and posterior tonsillar pillars, and 4 plus, complete oropharyngeal obstruction, have not been correlated with an AHI severity. 
Children with 2 plus tonsils are just as likely to have severe OSA as children with 4 plus tonsils. The odds of having OSA in a child increases by more than sixfold for each point increase in the modified Malampati score. A high incidence of 20 to 30 percent of OSA has been reported in children diagnosed with full syndromal ADHD. Thank you for listening to our Case 21 from Beyond the Pearls Pediatrics Morning Report. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.